0: Alright, so welcome to the first session of And Then There Was Corn. And Then There Was Corn. And, and then, then There Was Corn. There Was Corn. So much corn. Uh, I'm Chad Reed. Brian Sailing, And I'm Kevin Turner. Uh, we all work here at 8020 at Caitlin's in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and we decided that we should do a podcast about bourbons that are $40 and under and the quality you can get for that price range. Uh, I believe that you can get anything you want. With under $40.
1: There's never a need to spend more than 40 or 50 bucks for a bottle.
0: Exactly. And even some of those are even allocated now and they're still 30 to $40, $50. Um, we will also be pairing a beer with this, uh, while the whole time shooting the shit and, uh, <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, reminiscing about our restaurant
2: and bar past as well. Yep. Um, so, give us some advice out there to some new people, or maybe some uh, bartender therapy for those of us who feel like we're the, all alone in this world. Making bar programs great,
1: yeah, especially right now with everything that's going on. Back, Backstreet Boys reunion tour, and us having to stay at home. You know, it, it's tough, especially if you if you don't work at a bar, restaurant, or a restaurant bar, or you can't stay open at all. You know, you lose out on what you love to do. Yeah. Choosing. So let's try and, you know, abate some of that and have some fun together. Yeah.
0: And I do agree that most bartenders truly love what they do. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. I'm I mean, here for you. Some some do it for money. Some do it because they love it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? As long as you're not doing it for glory, you're
0: welcome. <laughs> That's right. No pretentiousness involved. Well, let's open a beer. <laughs> See you later, Kevin. Wait. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> So we're doing Wild Turkey on our first episode, as well as we're pairing it up with uh, Champagne Velvet. uh, To give a little history on Wild Turkey, Uh, it was originally created by Austin Nichols. He was sourcing his whiskey. Uh, He took that and sold it out to the public, and he started running out of it. his, His customers started asking for that Wild Turkey whiskey because it had such a kick to it. Um, and then later on uh, Jimmy Russell started working for him in 1972 he took over as master distiller uh, created what we know as wild turkey 101 Austin Nichols is no longer on the bottle anymore and it's been the same product since he took over um, and that for years that was the only product they would do um, then Eddie Russell came in and started uh, rare breed and uh, Russell's 10 Year.
1: And if you don't know anything about just regular wild turkeys in the first place and why someone would be asking for that wild turkey bourbon, turkeys are terrible turkeys are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) bionic. You can't kill them. I've hit multiple with my car and they just get up. They're like, alright, fine. I'm good. Let's go. Turkeys are nuts. Especially the one turkeys in the wild. They can fly. Distances. Can they? They're horrifying. I did not not know turkeys could fly. Yeah, they roost in trees sometimes. Oh, Jesus. And if you startle them while there's a bunch in a tree, it's just like a rain of turkeys and they're large and they're scary and they can hurt you.
0: That sounds like the
1: worst. Yeah. So there you go. Wild turkeys are
0: Which for me is the opposite of actually wild turkey it just has a nice spice kick to it yeah mm. now it will jump out of a tree and let you know it's there uh you drink enough of that shit um it will definitely kick you in the face oh yeah especially
1: uh, we're on the 101 wild yeah. turkey 101 it's uh, I, i'm going to speak at least for me it is the baseline staple mm-hmm. for oh wild for sure. turkey for me it has to be 101 yep
0: Else I don't. I don't out. drink the the eighty one. It's too uh-huh. sweet for me. Yeah. The, all that spice is gone.
1: And mm-hmm. the the bottles the bottles it has the same effect as like Olfo eighty six for me. Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent bottle flavor.
2: Yeah, correct. Well, and Turkey do picked up some aggressive you know uh, reputation because one of our local heroes uh, Hunter S Thompson was a journalist and back in the day he was a pretty edificient guy and liked to get lit and I'm sure most of you know a little bit about what he was about. But uh, he notoriously drank wild turkey because back in the day there wasn't a whole lot of just standard bourbons that were hitting anything above the necessary eighty. They were like one of the first ones to be like, no, we're gonna put in that extra twenty one. Yeah, if we're not up. bonded, and this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I in case we didn't say we are based out of Louisville, Kentucky, the home of bourbon.
0: That's right. It's I grew we up, up with a little it.
1: bit of what we're talking about.
0: I, I grew up with it. That was
2: some of the first liquor I drank. Uh, I also, think I mean, Turkey might be responsible for the reason why Chad is bartending, because he actually stepped out of the industry, because he got upset by uh, a lack of willingness for Chad to be great and spread his wings at other places, and he kind of stepped out for a minute, and I was running a bar program at O'Shea's, uh, which is an Irish bar here, and we, they had this little room, and I had a carriage house program going, and Chad walked in and had an old passion that I was doing with wild turkey, did a brown sugar, simple syrup, called it the brown suit, and just looked up at me and was like, I'm in, and since then. I, I've not been able to walk away ever since, yeah. Uh, it's,
0: yeah I, found, I found that not only can you have lots of passion and lots of care and take care of the customers that you have, but also the in-depth moments that you see throughout history how alcohol has influenced it. I mean, not just whiskey, but like beer to wine. I mean, wine's the reason we had our first international shipping, you know, with the Greeks. Mm. So, I mean, seeing that happen, that was kind of like a whole new world for me. You know, I loved it. And I used to only drink beers and shots. Craft beer and a shot, please. And then I got broke and I was like, domestic beer and a shot, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But nice. nowadays, you know, I still drink those domestic beers and I still drink the, the non-expensive beers because I don't want to call them cheap. There's very few cheap beers that I, that I just don't drink. I, Tecate is one of those for me. I'm not a big fan of it. It tastes cheap, but it has its place. Yeah. You know, hey. Yeah. Micheladas. That's right. <laughs> Micheladas and big parties. You know, you got to buy a lot of beer. Tecate is a good way to go.
1: You can always find us out and about if we're at a bar that, you know, has some heritage with some background for us, especially me. You can find me with a ice cold Budweiser and a shot of Fireball in my hand, but that doesn't mean I don't know <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't love everything else more. It's just you walk into that bar and they're like, Oh hey, it's Budweiser Fireball Guy. Alright, let's do it. You really don't have to for anything else. Originators t- t- love t- to hate themselves. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's we're notorious for it. It's no. the self loathing is is you know unanimous across the board and unless unless you're the one of the ones who are so arrogant you think that you created the cocktail scene in your city you know we all know those people
2: um but I love you, myself <laughs> I love myself I love myself enough to drink it well I think that's appropriate I mean we spend so much time being hospitable and putting our needs aside for the sake of other people in these you know fleeting moments that it's kind of hard to like pull that back and I even struggle I think um You know, in creating, like, friendships, like, because any time you spend with me that isn't just this, like, we had some time together, and I was cute for a second, and made you laugh, and, like, now I've gone away, like, that consistency, like, becomes awkward for me, Mm -hmm. unless you, like, really get a good understanding of who I am first, like, almost don't even want to, like, build to that. Well, now I'm
0: a family man, so even having friends past that, the only reason, like, I see you all as much as I do is because we work together, you know?
1: Yeah, we we consistently have... For customers and for like our friends, it's a revolving door of just short moments together instead yeah. of any oh, yeah. sort of long term.
0: Which has its moments though. I love that yeah. that you know, as a bartender, you can affect someone in that thirty minutes to four mm-hmm. hours that they're there. Yeah. You know, they could be picking up to go food and have a beer, and then you show them a new beer and tell them about where that place came from. Yeah. And the next mm-hmm. thing you know, you know, they're drinking champagne velvets and wild turkey. Right. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: I always love. Uh, oh, you've just got such a great personality, you're such a good bartender, like, I just really love your personality. Like, thanks, I made this one just for you. <laughs> <laughs> seems like what you
2: needed today. That's <laughs> right. right. That's what we do. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it, too, is people go out, and especially people who like to sit at the bar, whether they realize it or not, they're wanting that, like, unexpected moment. Otherwise, they would just order carryout, or go to o. Charlie's and sit at a table, and only deal with their people, and... You can see them wanting that, but there's also, you know, like times are awkward. Like actually relating to people without a screen in front of us, and you know, getting people to have conversations, look you in the face, and not have them feel like you're trying to get won over on them by just being nice. It's uh, you yeah, know, it's challenging. But we spend so much time just like getting people to be here with us, be present with us, and relieving guilt, like people will sit down and they're having a great time. And all of a sudden not saying we're people sending people out of here trash. And like, these people are eating food that I'm about to talk about, but like, you know, I kind of want to have another one, but I don't know, you know? And it's like, why not dude? Like life out. is short. Maybe
0: feel free to have a good
2: time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I,
0: we're, we're away from that moment where water is not drinkable, but yet alcohol still influences our, our society. I mean, yeah. you, you listen to music. It's, Go out and have a good time. Go party, pop bottles. You know, and rap has overtaken Sexy like the know. world. So, and and a heavy influence on you know rap music is you know drinking high end alcohol, now, which is obviously opposite of what we're talking about. But you know, <laughs> he it, I drinking. It, yes. Well, but I'm saying in the fact that like, you know, it doesn't have to be high end for you to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, right. you can afford, it's like 24 bucks or so for a bottle, 750 of uh, wild turkey mm-hmm. and take that home and enjoy it. And that, you know, that should last you, you know, depending on how much you drink, you know, my liver's going to hate me by the time I'm done. Uh, but one thing you were talking about the brown suit earlier. And I think that one of the reasons that the wild turkey worked so well in that cocktail and why it snagged me Mm -hmm. uh, was that that brown sugar with the amount of caramel that uh, wild turkey has without being overly sweet. Mm -hmm. Because bourbon itself, it's made from corn. So yes, it is sweet. But I think that the balance of the spice with the caramel in wild turkey added in with that, that brown sugar was, I mean, amazing. I remember I was like... I'm in, and that's the most balanced thing I've ever had in my yeah, life. Absolutely, you know, it it just it's so amazing. Like a, a taste of something can change your life. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I I would have either gone to work in an office or gone to Sullivan and worked in the kitchen, and I would have hated working in. The or kitchen. cut hair. Or cut hair. Actually, I was I was on the verge of uh, at Tri City Barber and then looking at Sullivan. Absolutely.
1: That's news to me. I was about to have you pop the brakes and tell me more, but no, you got that. <laughs> yeah, Heard. Uh, But I, I, do. But I think it's,
0: I think it's that same moment. Like you know, I was looking at hair and saying, you know, like I want to be able to make someone's day. And in that sense, yeah. like a week, you know, with a, a guy's haircut, you know, depending on what you know length it is, but like knowing the comfort and you can go in, you know, that they're going to take care of you. You're going to chit chat and you can get personal or not get personal. It doesn't matter. You're, yeah. you're comfortable to do whatever
1: you want. And that, that. And- also, I have the same background there. Like when I was a kid, one of the crap that I took from my parents most was like, oh, you're trying to be such a people pleaser, trying to make everyone happy all the time. You're, trying to, you're not thinking about yourself, trying to make everyone happy. It's like, I enjoy making other people happy. And you know, when you live your life like that, you end up working in the service industry at like 14, 15 mm-hmm. years old. And now I'm going on 15 years. Mm-hmm. bouncing around in the service industry in and out of it but always end up back here because at the end of the day I like making people happy without to them over like a car dealer yeah, something yeah. like that
0: what are some of the places you have worked?
1: outside of service or in service? in service in service uh, around town I've worked at uh, Heller Highwater which is one of the big cocktail bars in Louisville right now uh, all three of us at one point at Mr. Lee's whoop, whoop. Yep, Yeah, whoop <laughs> yeah R.I.P. yeah R.I.P. they recently <laughs> closed down uh, Barrel House on Market yeah Tom we both Jeff. worked at that we one we both worked there together uh, Prohibition Craft Spirits. Brian and I work there yeah. together. Like, we've been all over the place. We obviously follow each other yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We see, we see uh, each other doing good things. We want to become part of it. And, you know, it's... We do, we've done everything from... or I, have to, I know we all have done everything from like high craft to beer in a shot dive bar right? mm-hmm. like i've worked a few nights at a bar where it's like oh we don't take tabs we just hold on to your card put it on a whiteboard <laughs> and then write down what you've had on the whiteboard yeah. next to your card <laughs> for sure like it, and we've had, worked places where it's like oh that cocktail is going to be 32 dollars, and it's a regular menu cocktail oh and yeah like, we've done everything in between and i love Every aspect of it, all the time.
0: I, you know, I loved all aspects except telling someone it was a thirty-two dollar cocktail. Yeah, I mean, like my voice would time. shudder.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's thirty-two.
2: What? Why is it that much?
0: <laughs> Don't know, man. We decided <laughs> to put Victor's tenure in there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, we kind of came up as bartenders at an interesting time in the city too, because when we were young, and Kevin's got some youngness on me and Chad, mm-hmm. but there really there wasn't mm-hmm. a cocktail, not to the way that like we know when we execute yeah. cocktails. No, it was, you know, um, Irish car bombs and bombs everywhere and and job shots. You were lucky to find a Tom Collins. Exactly. So when we kind of saw this movement happening, a lot of it, and I think we would all agree that no matter how we feel about this establishment as it currently stands, but the the silver dollar was a huge spark for us. And just Susie Hoyt's attention to detail and historic appropriateness. Uh, f- to make those offerings for our guests and then there's more weight to that because you have history then with that and it's like no people have been drinking these for hundreds of years you know and when you hold an old fashioned, you can feel that release of like humanity has just gone to this particular potion mm-hmm. for a long time but i think we kind of ended back at neighborhood bars because you know initially when we were getting started we kind of all came up at that like hoity-toity, high end, super craft bar, yeah, and right the it, yeah, and it kind of turned from can, can away from like us as bartenders and put focus on the cocktail, and we were almost like encouraged to not be personable, to not give the hospitality, to almost be sterile behind the bar mm-hmm. and showcase the cocktails themselves. But I think what I found when I laid my head down at night is, is like. Yeah, I just want to work at a bar where I can be myself. And we have a lot of fun back here. Like we're dancing all the time. We got a, like our a playlist going. We finally
1: figured out that we are also people
2: that we need to be pleasing. Exactly. Yeah. Wait. Wait. I'm a person.
1: <laughs> you? I don't know. <laughs> I know you made a person and honestly I I I think
2: people would rather have a good person bull bartender and maybe take a little bit of quality dip on a base spirit and trade for that and pay half the price Mm -hmm. and not have that just like you're so lucky to be in front of me Michelin style bartender well the whole purpose of the cocktail was to
0: take very crappy spirits and make them you know palatable yeah like you know the Louisville-based, the old-fashioned, the Pendennis. Yep. I mean, they had garbage bourbon coming out at that time, and they were muddling oranges, and sugar, and yeah, yeah and it was, it was completely bur- yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was you know, yeah. it, it was a it was a, a white male's high-end club. So yeah, yeah you had alcohol in there, and still to do is. that, you know, yes, it still is an elitist <laughs> white male club, uh, but they would just muddle all these sugary things in there—brandy, cherries, and slices of orange and a, a giant sugar cube—which you know, never fully dissolves, So that last,
1: yeah. last
0: sip is all sugar. So, and then you can continue <laughs> drinking things. But, you know, the whole thing was to mask these bad bourbons. And now people are putting in these, like, you know, a bottle that costs $50 into a, you know, a cocktail, which that makes your cost go yeah. crazy to the roof. I don't want to pay, you know, $15 for a Tom Collins because you put some fancy gin in there. No. I don't really care. Put some Bombay in there and be done with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to pay your overhead for your ridiculously large space. Yeah. So I can sit in an awkward. Oh, this wonderful leather couch that costs $5,000. Exactly. And you see that across town everywhere and across all the stations, you
0: know. But, yeah, we've there all worked you. those places, and that's, that's, like you said, that's yeah. why we all kind of came back to this, like – this, like, right in between. We're not uh, a sling, you know, here's your beer and I get out of my face kind of bar. And we're not yeah. also, like, the pretentious, like, look how much
2: I can smoke this drink. Yeah. You we're know? a Contemporary craft neighborhood bar. Yeah. I think uh,
1: uh, since you two, uh, you two, Chad and Brian built this program here, rebuilt this program. and I came in later into it. Again, following them because they do awesome things, and I love working with them. But yeah, I know. Shut up. <laughs> but in all reality, like all of the bars that we've worked at beforehand, and obviously this isn't necessarily any of our, any of our end games. Like, mm-hmm. We're all eventually going to venture on. But it seems hopefully like all, together. yeah, hopefully together. But all three of us have taken like the best parts of all the bars that we've worked at, either together in the past or separately in the past and really tried to mesh it together here to create an actual cohesive bar mm-hmm. instead of the ones that we worked at that are closed now, the ones that are turned into clothes, or the ones that are turned into dyes, or, yeah. or the ones that are way too high end. Mm-hmm. Like we've taken all of the best parts of our collective bartending experience to create a really amazing program here.
0: Yeah. I mean giving people regular people who are used to sour mix fresh juice is, is eye-opening to them. They're yeah. like, oh, it could taste that good? Oh, let me get an LIT, but be light on the sour mix. Oh, don't worry, I don't use sour mix. They, they, they have this like all moment, like, oh, what do you mean you don't use sour mix?
1: Let me tell you a little thing about lemons. <laughs> when you squeeze them, there's <laughs> juice in them? There's stuff in there. You don't just have to eat your lemons like oranges anymore. It's 2020.
2: I may not be a tart man, but I know what lime is. <laughs>
0: Uh, just That's so you know, worried. Brian will reference Forrest Gump many times throughout oh, yeah. these podcasts. Buckle up! And I, I will preface on this podcast, we decided to record on the third floor of an unair conditioned room. It is so in, hot. We're drinking wild turkey in a very hot room. But, Staring so at a Christmas
1: tree, and I'm looking at, I believe it is a hatched bird egg, <laughs> <laughs> possibly crow, possibly.
2: <laughs> a fire escape plan—that's probably no longer relevant.
1: Yeah,
0: that is very true, uh, but you know it's a—it's a, it's a closed-off section, you know, so it's like and you know, it's—it's unmaintained and. Oh, that. So We're drinking wild turkey, and I was noticing that because I said that because I was noticing how much the wild turkey is liking to linger right yeah, now. Yeah, it's hot, yeah.
1: in my esophagus. Yeah, 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 and
0: it typically does like to linger. It, it, well, but one thing I do like about it is that it's not overly bitter. Yeah, so like, mm-hmm. it may warm your throat uh, because of like I think it's like the thirteen percent rye. But it presents itself like it's higher. I always thought mm-hmm. it was yeah. more
2: close to eighteen. I think it is close to eighteen. It's 13. No, it's 13. Are you serious? Yeah, it's Doesn't like thirteen point like, three, like, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, according to wh- who wrote the bourbon book, Bernie. Yeah, yeah. Bernie. He Bernie says Lewis. it has to be fifteen 15% or, more. or higher, so that's it's deep. not a high rod. That's yeah. crazy. Cause yeah. We've all been told but our that's, whole That's lives. one that's dude like, saying like, like this is what he considers a high ride. Right? There wasn't any. There, there is no like standard. Like, but that's it.
0: But that makes. Four Roses, a high rye bourbon. Yeah. You know, which a uh, flavor profile, I would consider this higher in rye. Mm-hmm.
1: But I wouldn't consider it a high rye like drum or something like that. Right,
0: but it's what's prevalent on the palate, yeah, you that's know? That's true. So, it's how true. much it's is turkey, turkey bottle? Uh, I think it's about 20, 24. 24,
1: 28, depending on where you go. Yeah, yeah, depending on your city. And as if, well. you're li- if you're from outside of Louisville and outside of northern Kentucky, Turkey could be anywhere from $35, $45, depending on how far you are away from us. Yeah.
0: I mean, when we went to New Orleans, I saw it for $12 at one place yeah. and $5 at another. Yeah. So, I mean... Wait, poor?
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, New Orleans, if you're listening, Bourbon Street needs some more bourbon. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Like make <laughs> everywhere, beam everywhere. All right, before before you <laughs> cause a problem, before we
1: can't do this again, let's talk about the beer. Let's move on to Champagne Velvet for all a right. minute before we forget that we're drinking it. Yeah. So Champagne Velvet is an Indiana beer. It's from Upland Brewery in Bloomington, Indiana, one of my favorite favorite towns in the state. As an Indiana boy myself, I'm an IU fan. It's my favorite place for sporting events, and there's all sorts of great breweries up there. A lot of fun. A lot of fun times we had. Uh, champagne Velvet is, honestly, it's what I associate Upland with the most, mainly because of Brian, when he introduced me to it. Like, it's just what I think when I think Upland. And originally, it was a beer created by German immigrants in the 19 earlys, like 1902, 1907, something like that. And then due to industrial just overtaking, uh, Champagne Velvet got lost and their brewery got closed after about 20 and 25 years. And at that point, it had already become the beer for Indiana people. Mm-hmm. And then in the, what did I say, the 90s? Yeah. Like 1997, uh, Upl- someone from Upland or some fan of Champagne Velvet was going through old handwritten uh, trademark and patent and recipes and stuff and found on a little scrap of paper the recipe for Champagne Velvet. And then Upland picked it back up and started selling it. Then as the beer with a million dollar flavor which is apparently not just marketing fluff. Originally for the German immigrants, it was insured, like champagne velvet was insured for a million dollars. That's amazing. That was their shtick. That's cool. And even today, like now it's distributed all throughout all 92 counties in Indiana, a lot of places in Louisville and I'm sure further nationally, but it is like Indiana grandparents and great grandparents. When you ask them about beer, it's like Billy beer other, like, assorted light beers that either don't exist anymore... Little Kings. T- Little Kings. You <laughs> got, like, com- completely corporatized. And then Champagne Velvet. And it coming back is great. And the reason that we wanted to pair it with the turkey is it does have a high corn content in the beer as well. So it has that sweet flavor, and it goes with bourbon well. Beer in a shot, you give me turkey and a velvet, I'm happy.
0: It also has a creaminess to it that matches yeah. well with the spice level of the wild turkey. Because, I for me, it's you don't want the beer to be too similar in flavor profile yeah, right. and the corn is there which adds that sweetness which is nice but then that creaminess right behind it like kind of like tames what's happening with that wild turkey mm-hmm. yeah. and especially if you're not used to drinking some as high octane as yeah. 101 i mean it, it's nice to have that like smooth sweet finish after there mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like yeah. making yourself no fashion you don't do it because you want the bourbon flavor you do it yeah. because you wanted to mellow out the bourbon
1: yeah you get two of them down and then you're Drinking Weller 12 in your underwear in bed on Christmas
2: morning. (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) We share experiences, man. (laughs) We also brought in a cup of ice and a cup of water. And even though this is 101, not one of us have reached for that. Yeah, It's totally fine, just like right where it is by itself. I think
1: I will pour some more and put some ice in it just to open it up a little bit. I still
0: say for the cost price that... I do a roughly $24 bottle. Wild Turkey is got to be one of my tops. I will probably end up with a Wild Turkey tattoo. Oh, um, yeah. Sure.
1: I'm surprised you don't have one already. You're wearing a Wild Turkey shirt right now.
0: That's true. <laughs> uh, I went to Behind the Barrel. So every year they do uh, camp for bartenders. And you spend three, four days uh, out there hanging out with Jimmy, Eddie, and Bruce. Uh, with bartenders from all over the all over the, uh United States, they only choose one from the city to go for each, yeah. unless you're a mentor. And I, you know, are they
1: doing this still? Is it? Yeah, they still. Is that the way they did it from the beginning?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I somehow got chosen. Like I, it was kind of one of those moments. I I feel like my reputation reached further than I expected. I also put a lot into the application. I you know because I like it so yeah. much. But I mean, it was a cool experience. Not only did I get to taste wild turkey and like fresh off the tap and all that stuff, you know, or the still, you know, but uh, I learned a lot about wild turkey at that point and like, you know, how. Jimmy's the longest running master still on the planet right now, at like yeah. 66 years or so, something like that. I mean, it's insane. And the dude is like 90 something and still He's goes sharp, every day. Yeah, yeah. He's on it. Yeah. He's at the visitor center. You can get his bottle signed by him. Yeah. Like he rides around in this dope little scooter with three wheels. And then, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, you know, but I mean, his passion throughout the years brought many, many, uh, moments of joy and next day anguish for me. Right. Um, but like it's, it's, I love it. And I hear.
1: I hear he's notorious for pulling up to campers and behind the barrel attendees, and having just like a fifth or some <laughs> plastic bottle filled with something he picked out. Yep, he pours you some, and you can't say no to Kenzel. Oh. You can't say oh, no. Oh, there's times it's hot. Yeah, yeah. it's oh like my God. uncut, just raw. <laughs> uh, if, I mean, you gotta it, run with that. If you've ever done a
0: Russell's pick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's similar to that, but it's unexpected. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you've already been drinking. They, they, they're Campari, so they have all kinds of Campari products and yeah. everything. And then he walks up with something that you've been drinking half the day and probably not enough water. Right. And then he <laughs> hands you this, like, you know, really hot, you know, bourbon. But, like, when you're doing the Russell pick, you, you're choosing out of like 50 barrels mm-hmm. that they have sitting aside. They usually stop you around 11 or 12. Yeah. But I mean at 11:30 in the morning, who needs more than 11 or 12 tastes of barrel proof whiskey?
1: Love it. We as bartenders whenever doing a tasting, like you see wine tastings and you see like actual like two two three star sommeliers doing these wine tastings and they spit no bartender swallow no absolutely we are going to oh, put yeah. that liquor into us we are not going to spit it back out nope and it, it's also like that throat feel and the actual it going down is yeah. an important it part of the how drink. it lingers yeah it's any it's sort it's of household. and also
2: the effect is embedded in the experience like that yeah. should be, that's sold as that that's why mm-hmm. all this stuff is expensive I mean it's legal drugs you know. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you literally used to have to have a prescription for it. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I don't think Wild Turkey was one of those, but during Prohibition, they were shut
2: down. Yeah. And something you were talking about, too, when you were talking about uh, rappers and people talking about bourbon, one of the reasons why I always respected Turkey, and until recently, they had not reached out to a celebrity to attach their their name and done anything like that. They were just making a great product, and you'll see that as bartenders, to where... Patron, for, for example, they will, instead of focusing on quality and sort of trying to make sure that the best product is going out, they will supplement that by putting out a unique, awesome bottle and then pay people yeah, in like rap songs GMO to talk about bottle. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which was an amazing looking bottle. It was, amazing, right. it
0: was
1: like $650.
0: And, and a, a fancy bottle. A fancy
1: yeah. bottle, a dope display case yeah. and like two glasses. Mm-hmm. But you'd like, the guy that I know who bought it which was a disaster in the first place like immediately drunkenly drank all the tequila and well, just started yeah. refilling it with other stuff and he'd have girls that would be like yeah you know I'm this, is a, this <laughs> is
0: those are the the bartenders we don't like to uh put on a pedestal right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean you got to learn from the bad you got to learn from and, the good. and for real like I've, I've probably learned more from the bartenders who were not being correct than I have for them bartenders. That you learn what not Heard. to do. Yeah. And Heard. how and you see themselves being miserable in there, their vibes. There's more know. that
0: you should not be doing there is, than it is you should be doing. Yeah. So I mean it's it's like having older brothers or older sisters. Like you know better. Like because you know my brother acted like a jackass and got caught. Well right. I, I know how to not get caught now. <laughs> <laughs> uh one thing about Wild Turkey too though is they were really ahead of the game in experiments. So uh, they were the first to do uh, a honey whiskey um, and market it. They've been doing that since like the early 80s. They were the first to do a sherry cask. So they aged a sherry cask back in like, yeah, in like in like the late seventies or right. something like yeah. that. I mean, and they were doing it so ahead of the time, but they knew that those flavor profiles would match. Right. They would linger well. Now I had it when I went to behind the barrel. They let they let us actually try some of the original sherry, um, and it was it was not as good. Mm-hmm. But I they just released the, uh, the 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 um, not decades uh, the master uh, master's keep mm-hmm. sherry cask, which is phenomenal yeah, really but it's it's you're more readily available to get a sherry cask for that kind of things nowadays where back then i mean trying to probably getting a sherry cask is outlandish yeah. you know trying to get shipped over and stuff
1: can i rewind for a second yeah. i feel like you wanted to say the name matthew mcconaughey but you didn't <laughs> uh, it took me a minute to get there but... <laughs> But if there's any celebrity endorsing wild turkey, oh, Matthew Matthew McConaughey McConaughey in a Lincoln getting a DUI. Which they they, kind of use a Lincoln County
0: process on mellowing the Long Branch whiskey, too. And, and you know, it tastes all right, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean like if you're a Jack Daniels drinker coming over to a bourbon like that's going to be a good segue I yeah, mean perfect. it's soft it's yeah. approachable I mean it's running like $40-$50 a bottle which a uh, you know branch. yeah I think it started out at 16. dollars and is, it's coming it yeah. a, 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 yeah, a, te- yeah.
2: a Texas charcoal yeah
0: a Texas charcoal it's a filter Right. Okay. They still eat. They take wild turkey and then they filter so you it. you guys have it? Yes. yes. Is it wildly different? Yes. It is.
1: It is. It's really,
0: really good. It's, it's, it's super mellow yeah. compared to anything else wild turkey does. Yeah, I used to it um, for
1: people at hell all the time. It's like, here's a quarter ounce taster. You have to try this.
0: Right. And at first I was kind of disappointed because, you know, I'm used to that kick. I want that yeah. kick. When, you know, I want it to linger. Right. Um, but it, it, it taking in the respect of like, it is a different product, mm-hmm. they have a different process of making it. More refined isn't always what you're looking for, right. you're expecting this. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, that that's like when I first had Russell's tenure, I was like, this isn't Wild Turkey, is it? But it's just like polishing all the edges, yeah. you know. And it, wild Turkey does have some rough edges, in a sense, but that's why they say- This is uh, a present, man. We well, they're unapologetic, feel. and that's yes, kind of their exactly. thing, they say, I, we're unapologetic, we make good whiskey.
1: Yeah. yeah. You right know, we've got that bar mat, don't we? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah.
0: And I, I love it.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, like our rep knew I like wild turkey so much that he pulled it out for me. Yeah. I was like, here you go, in, in the bar mat.
1: Yes. <laughs> he pulled out a small picture of Matthew McConaughey for
0: me. <laughs> but I, I really do think these. Uh, they, it was a good choice on Tuesday yeah, uh, the Champagne Velvet it was a soon as, was a as soon as
1: you told me we're do, or as soon as I knew what we were doing on Turkey looking at our beer I figured this would go the best way yep it's solid. like as a guy I'm not a huge beer guy like my bartending knowledge like drops off when I really get to beer and wine
0: mm.
1: but I feel like working with you, or working with Brian especially, I've picked up a lot of it. And this just yeah. goes really well This just goes well with bourbon in the first place.
2: Oh it does. So we're doing a 12 ounce can, so just the way mm-hmm. things work here is uh, I handle bottles and cans, bringing them in, skipping out on those. Chad handles drafts right now. And uh, I'm Kevin tastes things <laughs> and tells us about them. Um, but the reason why I brought in Champagne Velvet is I, I just personally have a huge disdain towards Miller Highlights. With and I would never. I like it's you know, so bad. I you enjoy don't like it, he likes it's it so
1: no, much. No, I, I don't like it. Yeah. But you like don't. I, like I do not like it. No. But see, my I, dad drank it.
0: Ugh. So it's it's that and Strohs and MGD and that it's my like dad. It,
2: that, like we grew up in the Jackass TV series phase, and when I was nineteen and went to house parties, like all there was was high life, and like when Chad met me, I was vegan and would take a <laughs> shot of bourbon and like get sick. Yeah. Like, and I got to the point to where I would drink two Highlifes and just feel terrible. And it might just be like some trauma echo from that I, No, because there was a I, but I, I didn't have with like a I, head the headache. I tasted it the other day and I was like, I do not like this. There's just something about it's the same it. same as gin and tonic. Yeah, the same as gin and tonic. I mean, you got to be true to yourself, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to move over uh, high life drinkers into champagne velvet because I think it's a, I think it's a better product, honestly. And yeah. I don't really think they're very similar at all. But I think from the guest perspective, if I told them that and seeing champagne on the can, yeah. they would be like, okay, it's the like champagne. The beers. correlation here, yeah. exactly.
1: Like the, this doesn't have the overbearing carbonation. No, not, it not. Doesn't have the intense fizz. Well, the sweetness is, good... is
0: different too. It's more of like a. Um, like a a rounded savory sweetness on the champagne velvet where high life is just sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just
1: bite. It is just to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like beer. Right.
0: But for me, (laughs) yeah, that's what it is. That's what it tastes like. And that's what it's, it's like a, a bready ish, not quite as bready as like a full body beer, yeah. like a, a Stroh's or a Hams or something yeah. like that, but like that bready crackery moment mm-hmm. that I truly enjoy. If I'm getting a domestic, that's what I want. And then if I'd like want to drink fifteen of them, I dial it down and I drink high life. Yeah. Out of the cost, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. But
2: that's my thing. It's like I love that you know, when the first beer movement happened, everybody was doing Stouts and IPAs and it's cool now that they like didn't realize that they were missing a whole market by like not trying to be Budweiser and not trying to be Bud Light and it's cool that they're taking everything they know of making all these like very flavored forward beers and dialing it down a little bit and taking down the IBUs and keeping a constant ABV and putting across like flavor forward old school appropriate new school information like beers that i just think are sessionable and tasty and freaking awesome yeah
1: I, I think you described it the wrong way though i think like you kind of said they're leaning away and stepping away from right mm-hmm. i think instead they're leaning into this like mm-hmm. uh the wool Lager, right or it, even champion well it's a there lean- though well, yeah I, I, but it's I, a I, leaning into like well and like, like, they were doing yeah. it was, and okay. now okay. they yeah. are kind of leaning into yeah. it like, yeah. absolutely so it's like
2: leaning into it we're going to
1: take this we're going to take this flavor profile we're going to take this general ge- gen population aspect and we're going to make it good. Yeah. Well I mean we're look at take look it take at it A T G So
0: against the grain which is a local brewery, they were doing A beer and when they first brought it out it was sharp hops with a light body. Mm-hmm. And, and then changed. as yeah and they changed it in a positive way though. Yeah, I think so they good. dialed it down because they had retitled Pilsner that already had that. Mm-hmm. But then you you dial that hop down, you make it more crushable and put and they kept it in a sixteen ounce can, which yeah. they everything in there is. But same thing with Rhine guys; they brought cheetah, and then they had to dial back the hops because you know it was too much. And that's what I don't like about Founder Solid Gold. Like yeah. it for a a, a lager, there is too much hops in there, man. Yeah. It's just it's
2: good, but it's not what I want when I order a lager. It's at LPA, and I'm sure as a new brewery too. And I'm talking yeah. about the beer movement of like late '90s, early 2000s into now. Mm-hmm. It would be like it would be like us who know how to make good vodkas like why would we try to tackle the white Russian you know and it's like they had to prove themselves as artists messing with these like high profile flavors and really robust flavors and like had to get like appropriateness and get like uh, validation through that and then like if I was them I wouldn't be like I'm gonna be the best Budweiser you know you just wouldn't take out that fish and then now you realize that like People are going to crush way more of this style of beer, yeah. and we have people come in here all the time, and that need never went away.
1: Yeah. So I wonder. They're going how, to do it because it's not.
2: Exactly. And I wonder how many uh, Budweiser's against the grain popped at their own bar before they've realized, like, yeah. oh, we're, we're missing it, you know? Yeah.
0: Dude, I, I like where the craft movement is going. The, 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 on the, the beer side? Yes. On all, yeah, sides. all yes. sides. Yes. Yeah. All sides, yeah. all sides. Well, all sides, yes. And you're seeing a lot of. Uh, you know small distilleries do new things and they're making you know kind of wildly different bourbons um and a lot of them are not sourcing surprisingly where like during that first moment um a lot of them were were sourcing you know you had your rabbit holes and all that that dumped a lot of money into you know what was going on but they were still buying from someone else that's and charging an interesting you
1: question we're gonna to have to talk about later yes At a later date. yes rabbit hole sourcing yeah mindset.
0: i agree that's that's a whole that's a whole You know, podcasting Mm -hmm. itself. But you know, leaning into that crap field and like you know, at first when I first started drinking, it was all like overbearing IPAs, like Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Hoppedimus Prime and all that stuff. Um, was
1: that uh, Newellian? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But that oh, was with the Rick like. Shows, man. But like they had a different. They had the the brewmaster there d- that started that one. Then he left, Roger and the beer changed. Yeah, and it was not for the better. Yeah, no. after Bay-
1: after Baylor left, half of their. Beer
0: but was he like, he they brought that old recipe back. Yeah. I think he he might have come back, but. uh you know, it was more balanced, mm-hmm. but that was the thing. Like you, it, it was super hoppy, but it was balanced. And then you had all these other ones that are coming out and they're like triple IPAs and yeah. like, you know, it, where you can't even taste a steak with it.
2: And people wanted that. It's, yeah. Like that, uh, that, that implosion of the beer movement was like, how hoppy could it be? Yeah. Like it burns yeah. the tongue. dreaded person. How quickly can I see them go down? You know I, know I got more
0: into bourbon at that point because no, I no. couldn't drink half the, the beers that were on the market. No. You know? Um, but I think that we've uh are gotten plenty in for this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, so you know, please come and listen to us next time. Yeah. Uh, here at uh, and then there was corn. And then there uh, was and corn. There was, at and the then there was birthplace of the cheeseburger. That's right. We're birthplace we're here and the at the birthplace of the cheeseburger here in Louisville, Kentucky, at eighty twenty at Kalen's. You
1: know uh, what? Let's go ahead and commit to a bourbon and a beer for next week, hurt. so that we All can right. really get our research and talking points in. I like it, and we'll get it going.
2: All right, so, so you so pick turkey. Yeah. yeah it's Brian, turkeys. is your pick. On bourbon.
1: On
0: bourbon. 40 year under on bourbon. We will have old bars down by next
2: week, too. Let's go. Um, let's go. It's all right. It, We're it, going the to get there. We're going to get there. There's so much. There's so much. Let's just do uh, Old Forrester Signature. 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 Old Forrester Got Signature.
1: Got it. All and right. I, picked, I did the beer this week, so Chad.
0: All right, well, signature—you got something fruity going on, um, and I do look kind of like the idea of keeping those beers cost-effective as well, mm-hmm. and not going too high-end yeah. with that. Um, to be honest, the the the, the Brooklyn Summer Ale, yep. Brooklyn, Summer I think that will go well. Those okay. like those notes will go well. Yep.
1: So check us out next week for Old Forester '86 and the Brooklyn Summer Ale. And we will get wildly off topic as we start drinking more. (laughs) And we're going to have a good time, and hopefully you are too.
2: All right, one
0: last cheers. One last cheers. And and two, goodbye.
2: Later.